Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. Our opening hymn today is a hymn that speaks of the wit of God's love and God's inclusivity. Its title is, In Christ There Is No East or West. And it's good to be reminded of those directions because today we have a visitor from the East, a wise man from the East who has come to be with us. And one of the stanzas says, In Christ now meets both East and West. In Christ meets South and North. All Christly souls are one in Christ throughout the whole wide earth. Let's sing this hymn of praise and stand together as we do. We come together for the worship of God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We have heard and experienced God's steadfast love. Through the compassion of Jesus Christ, we see the life and love of God. We come to worship rejoicing, seeking, and searching. We come needing a fresh start. We ask for God's forgiveness and help to begin again. We confess that we have lived smaller lives than God intended. We confess our sins. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, we are forgiven. God has compassion for us, hears our cries, knows our needs, and forgives our sins. Let us lift our voices in praise and thanks to God. And again, welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. If you're a guest here today, especially do we want to welcome you. I see some visitors here with David today. As uh, you know, just yesterday we had a memorial service uh, for David's husband, Terry, 
and we're glad that some of the family has joined you uh, here today. And there may be other guests that are among us, as is our pulpit guest today, whom I'll introduce in a moment. But there is uh, on the edge of your order of worship uh, a response card. If you're a guest today, if you could complete that, it'll help me connect name and face with you. So you could drop that in the offering plate when it's passed. Also, for anyone who would like to be prayed for this week, it's an honor for the staff and for the deacons to pray for you by name and by na need. So if you want to place that on the card as well and drop it in the plate, it'll be an honor to uh, pray for you. I have been so excited about our pulpit guest who is joining us today. Uh, he is a bishop from Tbilisi, Republic of Georgia. Uh, his first name is Malchus, and I'm going to try to get the last name right. It is Bishop Malchus Sundolashvili. All right. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> Speaking in tongues. <laughs> uh, some of you have read some of the biographical sketch that we have uh, provided in our publications, and several of us were able to be at the Art and Soul uh, Sunday School class this morning to hear him speak from his mind and from his heart, uh, both deep wells of love and wisdom, and what a gift uh, he is. He is joining us today for worship, and then there will be a lunch and learn following uh, worship for any who would like to uh, stay and have lunch with us. Uh, in particular, he requested the, the, the gospel lesson today, Luke chapter 4. It speaks of Jesus' first sermon uh, in the hometown of Nazareth when he was quoting, reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And I think it also speaks about God's inclusive love that reaches out through the whole wide earth. We open our hearts as well as our minds, as well as our ears now to worship. Welcome to the worship of God. first lesson this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses reminds the people of the power of the choices that they have. A reading from Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, beginning with verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in God's ways, and observing God's commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying God, and holding fast to God, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here ends the first lesson. So will you pray with me? Holy God, all around us, throughout the world, we are reminded of the choices that we have. 
and we are reminded of the consequences of choices that we make. In far too many ways, we see the brokenness of the world. See things that we like to call natural disasters, wildfires, floods, earthquakes, blizzards. And yet we know that many of these are the consequences of choices that we collectively have made. We see the brokenness of the world in epidemics, the Ebola virus, the COVID-19, common flu, illnesses that are killing hundreds of people. And we see that as a brokenness. We see violence from the international level of war between international players at every level of society all the way down to domestic violence, to bullying, the pure and simple short-tempered meanness. And God, we repent of some of those choices that we have made. Yet, as we look around, we are also reminded of your love for us and for the world. We are reminded of the unity you call us toward. The blessing of koinonia, of the love and grace forgiveness and healing. And so we give thanks to you today for news of new life, for life celebrated amidst the grief of loss, for the presence of our Baptist brother, Bishop Songulahili, and where we have been on the receiving end of oppression and violence. We pray for healing. Hear our prayers today. We come to you praying as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Apostle Paul challenges the church in Corinth to be nourished, to live in harmony, and to serve God's common purpose. A reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. Brothers and sisters, how could I not address you as people who live by spirit, but people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ? I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not, are you not mere human beings? For after all, is Apo for after all, Apollos, and what is Paul? only servants through whom came to believe, 
as the Lord has assigned to each a task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who planted nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. Here ends the second lesson. I'd like to invite all the children to come forward at this time. We'll gather up here. Thank you. Okay, well, this morning, I wanted to talk to you about our Old Testament lesson that Miss Priscilla read to us. Did you hear her? She was reading um, about Moses and some choices, right? Do you remember Moses? I brought some pictures if you couldn't remember him. Remember? There's a lot about Moses. He did a lot of stuff. There's a burning bush. There's a lot of stories about him. There's the uh, people the Israel, people of Israel that he's leading out, the Hebrews out of Egypt. And then on the other side, of course, they're crossing the Red Sea. It's been pardoned. And then back here, how? With the power of God, Leah. With his staff, that's how. Okay, and then right here, he's holding those tablets. Does anybody remember what's on those? The Ten Commandments. Yes, very good. The Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, when you think about it, they're kind of about choices, right? They tell you to do some things, but of course you have to choose to do those things, right? So in our reading today, we talked about choices. He kind of said this or that. That's what he kind of said to the people. And that made me think about, he said, uh, at the end and at the beginning, he kind of said, I'm saying before you life and death, blessings and curses, this or that, this or the other. So you have a choice. And that made me think about two sides of a coin. When do you see people having to choose about a coin? The coin toss? And then they catch it and they put it on their hand. You have to call it, right? Okay, so Mary Frances, you call this one. Oh, heads, where did it go? Oh, yes, there it is. I caught it once. I couldn't do it twice. Okay, so it's on heads. So you had to choose heads or tails. Now, if we were in a game, like a soccer game or a football game, that means one, one like your team or my team, gets possession of the ball, right? Let's talk soccer. So you chose heads, so your team gets to choose which side of the field you're going to be on. So you say, oh, I want this side, and then you get the ball first, right? So you get to make the first play of the game. So because you chose that, you and your team, you could pass it to each other, you could take it all the way down the field, and you could score, that's your choice. That's what could happen after you made your choice. And that's the cool thing about it. So when you make a choice, heads, tails, something happened in the game. And that's kind of like life, right? You have to make choices. Maybe you want to, maybe you want to have good grades. You say, oh, I'm going to choose to make a good grade on my report card. But that means that you have to choose to listen in class or maybe to distract yourself with like playing games at your seat, right? No, we're not talking about that. So, we're <laughs> so you had to make a choice. Or like maybe if you, you say, oh, I want to always have fun with my family and I want us to do fun things together. But that means you have to choose to be kind to your family, right? You have to choose to be kind and to do things that are nice to each other so you can all have fun together, right? So these are all, all things that all of us can choose to do. And that's kind of what Moses is talking about to the people of Israel. He's saying, you have to choose life. But when you choose life, you have to choose to do these things in order to live that life abundantly in God. So we have to make choices each day to where we can live so that in God we can live a full and happy life together. Let's have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for all the choices that you give us. Help us to always choose to do what you want us to do in our lives so that we can live fully into your love. In your name that we pray. Amen. Let's go.
Jesus preaches a sermon in his hometown of Nazareth and offends the congregation. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Needless to say, how delighted I am today with you today. And I should extend my gratitude to you all, and particularly our ministers, for your very warm welcome today, this morning, in this church. I am happy to be among fellow Georgians. When I travel, and I travel a lot, I often confuse people. The moment I say I'm a Baptist bishop, uh, people get, give me curious looks. But also, when I say I come from Georgia, a lot of confusion, confusion can be raised. One, I would like to share one particular confusion that I experienced many years ago when I traveled to Brazil to the World Council of Churches Assembly. I went to Rio de Janeiro on, on Saturday, at early, two days earlier of the conference, and I thought I would explore the city. It was my first time to Rio. But Saturday evening, I found a message at the reception left by a local Baptist minister, kindly inviting me to preach 
in his church. When I was growing, my spiritual mentor, who was an elderly Baptist minister, so told me that you never decline invitation to preach. So I accepted the invitation, and next day, next morning, Sunday morning, surely enough, I go to preach in a Brazilian Baptist church. The church building looked like a rather large barn. And they had services, four services Sunday, and this house was full of people, and each service was attended by a thousand people. So uh, we walk through the aisle like we do today to get to the altar. The senior minister of the church and myself and interpreter is following in the back. And as we walked, I could not help noticing that the sanctuary was beautifully decorated with American flags. One was singing on the pulpit down here, and few on the side. And the, the walk to the altar was rather long, so we could have nice conversation as we processed. And I said, whispered to the minister, why do we have this many American flags? And he said, being amazed, well, we do it in your honor. <laughs> he thought I was a wealthy American Baptist minister. <laughs> Visiting Rio de Janeiro, and before we got there, I started profusely apologizing for not coming from right Georgia. And to calm me down, the minister said, don't worry, we don't, don't like Americans at all. <laughs> Confusion lies at heart of today's reading. We read, it was read to us, wonderful gospel readings when Jesus unrolls the scroll and reads most beautiful words from, from Hebrew scriptures. I have always been fascinated by the strong message of this passage. It's about caring for the poor, giving freedom to the captive. Yet, the result of this message is Jesus is driven from the town and synagogue and almost thrown away from, from the cliff. Why do we have such confrontation with the words and meanings of the words that are so meaningful, so powerful? And they have always been like this. It is not in only in our generation, that freedom and mercy are important. Throughout history of civilization, freedom and mercy and kindness have always been very important, but never been duly appreciated. Dalai Rama has recently said that we don't need successful people any longer. Because successful people may destroy this planet. What we need now is kind people. We need kindness in churches. We need kindness in our communities. We need kindness in international relations. We need kindness between races and genders. We need kindness between religions and people of various faiths. Yet kindness sometimes is very difficult to find. This is 
what we experience in our age and time. Of course, this good book has always been preaching to us about kindness. But it is very difficult to take it to our heart and make it a principle of our life. To be kind to others. To be kind to ourselves, first of all. We can't be kind to others unless we are kind to ourselves unless we pay attention to our spiritual development, unless we are nurturing our spiritual journey, unless we are kind to our members of our family. And of course, then we need to be kind to others. Fyodor Dostoevsky is perhaps one of the most prominent writer from the East. I was called the wise man of, from the East. Uh, I pr I'm from East, but I don't know about wise, wise wisdom. <laughs> so he was really wise man, and he produced beautiful pieces of literature. And in one of the books, which is called Brother Karamazov's, he offers a parable, which I find very profound and very meaningful for our time and age. He writes, once upon a time, there was old lady. She passed away and found herself in hell. She immediately started complaining that she was wrongly assigned to this place. And the fellow who was in charge of place said, well, dear Mary, you have not done anything good and kind in your life. You have always been selfish. You always thought about yourself. Never ever thought about needs and suffering of your friends or relatives or others. Then little woman started to think and think and eventually she said no. I did commit an act of kindness once in my life. I gave a green onion to a beggar who knocked on the door of my house. The fellow checked in the records and they said, yes, you're right. You did show kindness to the beggar by giving a green onion him. And miraculously, Dostoevsky writes, hand of God appears in the hell with the onion. <laughs> and hand is lowered down to the hell and this little woman grasps the onion and God is raising her from hell through the means of onion. And as she is being raised, other occupants of the hell are also coming and clinging to her legs and feet and toes. And eventually, as she is being raised to hell, there is a chain of human beings, and entire hell turned into a chain which is following, clinging to the legs of this lady. And then he writes, halfway through, she looks down and sees that thousands and thousands of people clinging to her legs. And she starts kicking them up. And she continues kicking and throwing them away until the last person remains and once she kicks her, the person out, the onion breaks. And she goes back where she started. This parable obviously is not about hell. It's not about heaven. It's about kindness. 
we need to show in our lives, which is very short. We are given very short period of time. And every day, every hour, every minute is a chance and opportunity to show kindness. And once we show kindness, it is us who gain more than those who receive results of our kindness. The story of Good Samaritan, which was told and retold many times in my church, always was causing some confusion. People were arguing, to whom should we show the kindness? Who are our neighbors? And majority in my church, which was a very conservative setting, would say the neighbors are those who are like-minded people who believe in God. Essentially Baptists. But I, as I, I was growing and experiencing more and more life and challenges in the life, I realized that the neighbors to whom we, show, we should be showing kindness are not Baptists only. I realize that there is a large ecumenical commitment for every Baptist church, every Baptist, every believer to work together along with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Whomever they be, Orthodox, Catholics, others, and then as I continued to be challenged, I realized that neighbors should be found not only within the boundaries of Christian communion, but beyond it. I found out that Jews are also part of the same group of people to whom we should be giving loving kindness. And then I found that Muslims are also our brothers and sisters. And then I found that people of other faiths, Yazidis and Buddhists and others, are also created in the image of and likeness of God, and therefore they belong to this family, human family. But as I grow and mature, as my beard is growing and my hair is growing whiter, I start to realize that our neighbors are not only human beings to whom we should be showing kindness. Animal world equally deserves to be given kindness from our heart and mind. Plants and birds and whole creation demands kindness, needs kindness from us. And I think if I'm told what is the sole privilege to be human being, is to show kindness to others. In 1999, during the Russian-Chechenian war, we were told the Chechens were crossing the boundaries of Georgia, boundaries of Georgia. and Chechens had been our traditional enemies for ages. And we heard that Chechen refugees were coming to Georgia. Um, we somehow thought that justice being done to them. We have suffered under them for many centuries. Now it's their turn to experience suffering. But it was winter. And the news came to the church before we started the service on, on Sunday that refugees coming to Georgia through the mountainous passes needed food, clothing, medicines. And nobody wanted to, to do that. Country was poor, it is 90s. Um, there is no enough political will to help the suffering 
No churches, no Muslim groups even wanted to help them. And then I asked the congregation on Sunday when the, the liturgy was finished whether we could be doing something for the refugees. And there was a silence in the congregation. And I knew exactly what that silence meant. Because I was sharing same same feelings to our traditional enemies. I'm sure this is not the case in this congregation by any means, but in our parts of the world, every congregation has a character. We have a church character who, who always raises his hands, whatever you say. And she said, um, Bishop, I've got an idea. She said, we should cancel Christmas. And give the money we have for the Christmas celebrations to the refugees. At the moment, we thought that everybody thought that's the silliest possible idea. But it was really voice of God telling us to go and help our enemies. We said, okay. It is Christmas, it is Advent time, and during the Advent we are called to do some acts of kindness. Let us do a, act, an act of kindness. We collected whatever we could and took the refugees home. And once we got there, and for the first time, we saw that these people, they are like us. And they were delighted to see us, not because we delivered some goods, but because they came to listen to us. And they were eager to tell their stories of atrocities they had experienced. And suddenly we realized that there was bond between us, between enemies, because we seemed to be human beings. We could cry, we could, have ex we could experience pain, we could be angry at injustice. And then, after long hours we spent with them, when we are saying goodbyes to them, I said, if there is anything we can do, do not hesitate to ask, out of sheer politeness, I'm afraid. And surely enough, they produced a long list of, long shopping list. They needed binding material for wounded children, and they needed medicine, they need blankets, they need all tea and all sorts of things. So I come to the church, the church is poor, country is poor, we are suffering, we had just been through three civil wars, and I go to, to church accountants, and very often church accountants say, we don't have money. Um, so I had to do something about it, and it was my first fundraising effort. I wrote an email, um, and sent it to all friends of mine everywhere, saying that I need 500 US dollars, not for my congregations, not my fellow Georges, I need 500 US dollars for my enemies. Next morning I go to the office, open my email account and see pledge of 15,000 US dollars from various parts of the world. And within a week, we had 40,000. And within two, two months, we had 250,000. I had not written, even never written this much money, neither before nor after. We wanted to help Chacha refugees, but not that much. But what do you do when you have this much money designated for the enemies? And we started to imagine ourselves in their shoes. And for the first time, we, we started to look at the world from their perspective. 
And we found something that we wanted to do once as a token of our kindness in Christmas time turned to be six years long commitment. And often I say, everywhere where I say that I became a Christian already being a bishop of the church owing to the encounters with the enemy. Because it showed that kindness, unconditional love, can turn us into a better person, can turn us into what we are meant to be as human beings. When Jesus asked why did he come, did, did, he, did he want to come, what was the purpose of his coming, he would say in the Gospel of John that I came so that you can have life in abundance. And the word life in abundance is life of kindness when we can fulfill our destiny as creatures, human beings created in the image and likeness of God. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation for dedication is given. And Bishop Malthus, thank you for the gift of giving yourself this day. As he and I were consulting about the service, he asked if we needed to stay with the lectionary text or if we could use additional text. And I said, well, you are the text. You come and share from your heart what you see God up to in the world. And I hear you doing that, and it's a call to kindness. We will sing a hymn of invitation. It is how the Spirit is at work among us. Let's stand together and sing. We are so touched by uh, your words and presence. I want to say again, thank you on behalf of this congregation. So we'll have more time together with Bishop Malchus. A lunch and learn immediately following the worship service below us in the fellowship hall, and we hope you can join us for more of your gracious words.
this afternoon at 3 p.m., we will mourn and celebrate the life of Clay Manley. The funeral service will be held here at 3 p.m. with a reception following. Yesterday, we mourned and celebrated the life of Terry. And David is here with his family. He was recognized earlier. Feel our arms around you, loving you, remembering the blessing that he gave us each time he graced us with his presence. Many prayers. May they sustain us this week in the life of the congregation, including the Hardy family. We pray for Valerie and for Muriel. We pray for the Manley family. And now, let's continue our worship.
all-loving God, we can hear from the balcony of heaven a loud and mellow-paced voice of Clay Manning saying, Amen. And our hearts and voices echo his voice and all the company of saints who gather with us this day. May these tithes and offerings that we have brought reflect our hope and our joy and your grace as we send this money all over the world in service of the gospel. So bless and help and heal and hold us all week long. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Aren't you glad you were here today? Yeah. Um, I'd ask the bishop to come sit with me because I wanted him to hear this gospel song. And boy, did the choir bring it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I asked uh, Bishop Malchus, is there a benediction that you share with your people that you might share with us? And he said, yes. He asked, could it be in English? And yes. <laughs> I mean, we're from Georgia, USA. We barely speak English. Uh, and so uh, if you would help us, that would be great. <coughs> May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and his begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remind and with you. Amen. Amen. Francis, has you have you met Bishop met Malcolm? Yes. Oh, good, 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 good. 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 good.
and she's a, have you met Dr. Priscilla Eppinger? Oh, good. And you know what her job is? Indeed. Yeah, it was. Oh, did you? Research. Research.